2: The cult of the spoilerverse. And welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show. Well, it's Caitlin
0: Yarsky, isn't it? Yeah, it is. She's the artist behind Coyotes, which is a great book out there written by Sean artist. Lewis. And the new yeah. book Bliss with also with Sean Lewis. And Casey got a chance to sit down and talk with Caitlin about this
2: book. This is gonna Yep. Yeah, before you get into it, this yep. is gonna be cool because yesterday you guys listened to Sean Lewis with Jeff Haas. Today, yeah. you get to listen to Caitlin Yarsky with Casey. So you're going to hear about the same book. But I guarantee you the questions asked and the information that's pulled from these two people are going to be completely different.
0: So, yeah, it's great because yesterday we talked to Dr. Sean with Jeff. Today is Caitlin with Casey. And tomorrow you can go to your LCS and pick up this book because it releases tomorrow on July 22nd. Nice. So go down there and pick it up. There you guys go. Well, let's sit back and listen.
1: Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. Today on the show, we have Caitlin Yarsky. Caitlin is out promoting a new book. From Image Comics with Sean Lewis, Bliss. We're going to talk a little bit about Bliss. We're going to talk about video games. We're going to talk about art. Caitlin, how are you doing today?
3: You know, probably as, as good as <laughs> <to> be, <laughs> considering the world <laughs> is burning. Um,
1: yeah, like, what is your... How are you in today's modern hellscape? Yeah, yeah it, not, not
3: great. Not great. But it's, it's I mean, <laughs> much better than most. I mean, I, I have a job still. I'm, you know, healthy, so I can't really you know, I feel guilty complaining that I'm unhappy <laughs> when I, I have a lot of concrete things going for me. So I'm, I'm, I am really lucky and I'm grateful that I have my job and I have my health and my family's healthy. So well, yeah. yeah.
1: The, the unhappiness though, I mean, it, it's a, it's a shared unhappiness. So don't, don't feel yeah. guilty about that. It's, it's yeah. one of those, things where it's like everybody has a right to be dissatisfied with, how things are going right now.
3: Yeah, you feel and, how you feel, you know. Uh,
1: once that builds up, hopefully something happens with it and right. and we we get happy about it because it's changed. Right. So speaking you you were talking about, you know, you, you have a job, you you wear a lot of hats.
3: Yeah, I sure because do. Because you don't just do comic art. No, I do game design too. Also, I just as a heads up, I'm sorry if you ever, if you hear any weird loud music. I'm right outside this kind of busy street in Brooklyn, so you'll sometimes hear people <laughs> hearing music from their cars. But uh just a heads up. it's
1: it's okay if if you hear anything on my end, it's either my my kids going crazy <laughs> or my redneck neighbors across the street firing guns off their porch. <laughs> oh either way, it is harmless, but <laughs> it is it's loud. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we 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 live in that kind of country. We're like that deep country. Where, Wow. Yeah. Also, <laughs> they have goats. And after we moved in, if you didn't know this already, a goat, when it like screams, like, you know, makes a noise, not screams yeah. like, oh, it's terrible. But just like, you know, an everyday scream.
3: Mm-hmm. It
1: sounds like a child screaming for dear life.
3: I've seen videos. I haven't actually heard it in real life, but it's pretty it's-
1: funny. It's terrifying if you're not used yeah. to it. Oh my God! I, I got out of the car and I heard this screaming. I saw both of my kids were okay. I've I have two little girls that are insane. Yeah. They were fine, but I heard the screaming down the road, so I took off running. Oh my God! And I get you know a about 200 yards down the road, and I hear the noise and I see through the fence this goat just staring at me, screaming his lungs out, and I'm like. <laughs> you little jerk
3: <laughs> oh my god that so, must be so, that must be like so stressful cuz they it, it's probably like every day or every other day
1: yeah you you tune it out after a while Right. the the redneck neighbors across the street firing their guns at random shit that that's hard to tune out
3: yeah but maybe luckily they do it off.
1: Yeah, these dead burn goats. But yeah, l- luckily they they do that at decent hours at least. I mean, if there's ever a good hour to fire a gun off your porch, yeah. l- th- to to be fair, their their porch is not facing my like my house in any okay. direction at all. So yeah, yeah,
3: where are they where are they pointing those guns?
1: The, it, towards the woods. Uh-huh. They they have. They have like targets set up, so you, you'll hear pow and then ding, because that that's how they roll.
3: <laughs> so you don't really go hiking in that area too much, then I'm guessing.
1: No, 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 no. We they're across the street, luckily, but there are so we're out where there used to be a ton of coal mines, and there are a lot of train tracks that yeah. go through the woods, and we'll go down the old um, train track trails. And hike down magic. that. It's really cool.
3: That's
1: so cool. Yeah, my kid, my kids love it. And we we built a fairy house. At, oh my uh,
3: god! I want to see so pictures.
1: <laughs> I'll have to if if I have any on my phone. I'll I'll, I'll try to send them. We mm-hmm. did. We got like the little gnomes, mm-hmm. and basically like some stuff from like the the crafts the craft shop and just made like a little thing at the base of this tree so it looks like a little fairy house
3: that's amazing i love that
1: it's uh you know it, it kept the girls busy and it was just a fun little afternoon project so yeah but so you do you do video games you do comics that that's a lot of like wish lists that people have for for future jobs like this that, <laughs> those are jobs that, that get people go when i grow up i want to do this and you you did it so like w- what gives what what came first
3: well games came first i when i graduated RAT, there was a small game company that was a local company um run by one of the professors from RAT. So he was hiring students out of school and everything. And my boyfriend at the time was a, was like their only designer or one of their only designers. And then he kind of taught me the ropes and then I got hired and it was like six people at the time. And then it grew. And now I think it's like 40 something people at least. <clears throat> but yeah, I was there for about six years, six and a half years. And I became an art director and yeah, we did a lot of Nickelodeon games and a lot of Disney junior games. Oh, nice. Like, like a lot of like uh, mobile kids games for TV shows, you know? Okay. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, AAA, you know, I wasn't working on like Dark Souls or anything, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was still fun. I like, I learned a lot of, it. I mean, I learned so much more on that job than I did in school. You know, I learned how to animate and I learned a lot about um, composition and typography and color theory and all these things that um, kind of informed some things for comic books when I got into that later.
1: So, so what? What did you carry over from from your your gaming side to comics? Because it, it doesn't seem like those two would would ever really meet.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, it's mostly just like visual learning kind of stuff. You know, just figuring out like again, composition is really important in games, and it kind of carried over into that, and and uh, and color theory, trying to get make sure things kind of you know uh, the colors work with each other and they're thematic and. You know, even gestural stuff, you know, when you when you learn how to animate, you kind of also learn more about how to draw characters and things from a more gestural point of view. So, you know, for example, like in art school, they have gesture drawing classes and things like that, where you only draw like stick figures, basically, as a live model of posing, you know, 30 seconds at a time, a minute at a time, so you don't have any time to like get any details in. And it's really important to do that because you learn how people move and you learn to focus on the, on the movement and the kinetic energy of the character rather than the fine details. So all that stuff definitely helped carry over into comic books and, and even, you know, games have a narrative quality too. So, you know, that, that always, that'll help too. But I I have, I have drawn comics since I was a kid. I just didn't do anything with them or, or consider them like a, consider it a viable, you know, career path. I kind of just, I like, I did a comic book, like a ten-page thing or six-page thing for um, instead of a college essay, I did a comic and then. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, and I did a bunch of comics when I was growing up and everything, and then yeah, I mean the Sandman was the was the first big thing that got me into like long-form comics, but yeah, it was mostly indie stuff for me. It wasn't really the superhero, you know, kind of genres. It was more like you know, kind like, you know, of like Mouse and you know, Persepolis and things like that. So, but yes, yeah, I got into comics after I quit my job, I decided to go freelance and then I realized I wanted to do comics. And so I kind of did like a 10 page portfolio piece, like a chapter of my own story and then started kind of shopping it around. So
1: that's so badass. I'm sorry. that That's <laughs> rad. So, <laughs> The way you were talking about the things that you carried over from video games to comics. So it kind of made me think about how Jack Kirby, he started off as basically drawing the in-between cells on like in animation. He would do like Mm -hmm. the old Pi Pi cartoons. Yeah. So he would do like the fluid motion. Right. Um, And yeah, I I could definitely see that, you know, inspiring you and kind of helping you to kind of get make things look good on a page, especially in a sequential art form. Yeah, so I would
3: say that like animation probably was more of an influence than, you know, games or anything for me, I'm not really a gamer. I kind of just fell into the industry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I know that sounds like people are going to hate me, but that's, that's just kind of how it happened. And like, and that's where most of the work is honestly for illustrators right now. So
1: that's crazy. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. Yeah. But animation, like, I mean, honestly, Dom and, you know, all these old school, like, 2D cartoons that I love, like, they kind of were more influential for me than anything else. Well, and also, like, book illustration. I, because I, I have more of like a fine art book illustration kind of background than comic book background. So I have a, a lot of weird influences. <laughs> not that, the that's crazy. Yeah.
1: No, that's great though. That's great to have you know varied influences, and because if everybody is influenced by you know Rob Liefeld, then everything's going to look like Rob Liefeld, right? If every and, and I I don't want that, <laughs> mm-hmm. and but a lot of people do, and those people buy those comics. But that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have varied influences. It's good to be inspired by different things. So you you kind of fell into comics via the Sandman, which that's how, that was the thing that brought me back to comics as a as a young adult, because I'd stopped collecting, I'd stopped reading them for the longest. And, well, uh, the same reason everybody else says there were girls and there was football and there was, I I wanted to be a musician and I sucked at it. So (laughs) there was that for a long time, (laughs) but I ended up working at a moving company that was right next door to a uh, comic book shop. And I poked my head in there and I saw the, I saw that they were selling the, the Sandman trade paperbacks. And it was the, it was the first thing I bought since I was like maybe 14 or 15 in terms of comics, and I was, I think I was about 21 at the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, that was what sparked me back. And I've, I've been pretty, pretty, pretty jacked about it ever since.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that whole world. I mean, Neil Gaiman really, really makes, I mean, his, his world building skills are incredible. I mean. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. He's, he's definitely a, a force to be reckoned with and, and really just a totally gifted Writer, and if you ever get a chance to see like a speaking engagement, he's doing it's really cool. So,
3: oh, his uh, masterclass,
1: no, no, he he actually, for some reason, he came to Tuscaloosa a few years ago and did like a speaking gig. Oh, and my wife got me uh tickets for for my birthday, and it was so cool. He was he really he's really like a just a good spoken word person, so. Mm
3: Yeah, he's, I mean, he's very, he's very, he's very eloquent, very
1: eloquent speaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Plus the British accent, you add that. Oh, And yeah. you automatically at least, you know, yeah, you're sound. In yeah, you sound a, a little bit more erudite than, than anyone else in the room. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
1: I, doing a comic right now with, with a guy from, from London. And mm. I told him, I was like, you might want to do the, the speaking part. Because that way, it doesn't sound like, you know, if I do the talking, we're both going to sound like dumbasses. However, oh, if you do it.
3: <laughs> there is something just, I don't know. I don't know if they feel it themselves, but yeah, from, from our side of things, they, they just sound so much more sophisticated than us, don't they?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you you got into the video games, you became a freelancer, and then, then you start doing the comics. What was your first like big hit, in terms of like you know feeling like oh I'm doing this?
3: Well, it will it'll have to be the the uh, Coyotes. I mean that was my first series and so far my only series that I've completed so far. And yeah, when Image picked it up, it was like okay, this is the, this is this is the big leagues right now. And I guess also. Probably getting getting an email from Boom Studios to do the Buffy. I did. A, I wrote and illustrated a uh, short story for Buffy. Um, oh,
1: that's rad!
3: Which is like, yeah, it was like a dream come true because I'm such a Buffy fan. And then they came back for a, a Firefly cover, and I was just like over the moon. So yeah, it just feels like it's it's the right place for me. Comic books, I mean. It's
1: funny. I, I was talking to Adam Tierney not long ago, and he is he's an illustrator, but he, Mm -hmm. he works for way forward games. Okay. And he also has a book out through IDW, but his last like comic that he did was one of the Buffy spinoffs. I think it was like spike. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. He, he had a heck of a time doing it too. Apparently.
3: Yeah. I mean, I love, um, Jordy Beller's run right now with Buffy. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, it's really fun seeing just to how much more they've added to the, that mythos. Yeah. and Because I, I remember I watched it in high school, mm-hmm. and I thought that's where it would stay after I stopped watching it. But no, I mean, it's, people are still like diehard about it.
3: Yeah, it's got like a cult following.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it, you, you did Coyotes, mm-hmm. and that I haven't had the chance to read that one, but oh, my gosh, it sounds wild. So, and again, Sean Lewis, what what was your, wh- how did you meet, how did you hook up with Sean Lewis? Because it seems like you guys get along a, a lot in terms of like as a creative team.
3: Yeah. So I told you about that 10 page uh, short story slash chapter that I wrote and drew and kind of was shopping around. So I, I, I remember that Boom Studios had a submission page on Facebook or or their submission process was just to put. Stuff up on their wall and uh, Sean happened to be looking for artists and uh, didn't know where to look and I think he, he just kind of stumbled on the Boom Studios wall and was looking through the submissions there and found mine and he liked the style so he emailed me and you know so I read a script and it kind of jived with me and I got back to him and we started working together and it was it's a really organic process between the two of us I feel actually kind of spoiled because He's, he's just so easy to work with, you know, and, and I get to collaborate on the story too. So I, you know, I'll, we'll talk about story ideas and sometimes I'll edit things or ask him, you know, what if we do this or, so it's just really, it's a really cool process. And, and also he doesn't even do like panel breakdowns or anything for me. Like he doesn't tell me like what to put in panels or like how things should be on the page. It's just like, go for it. It's just like, Oh, wow. Yeah, and so I feel really spoiled because I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to work with another writer now because like I love having all that freedom, and I and I know that the standard is not is not quite like that.
1: Because I'm looking at Bliss right now,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and the free reign you have on that—I mean, it's it's really cool that he does it. I I guess it's like Marvel bullpen style, kind of.
3: It's what what style?
1: They. they Back in the day, because they only had so many writers at Marvel back when Stanley was first starting out, he would just kind of write out like the basic notes and then say, give it to the, give it to the artist and let them just basically run wild with the story and then fill in the, the dialogue later. And they, they called that Marvel bullpen style. Oh
3: yeah. Yeah, this is kind of different. It's not, there's no notes about anything. It's, it's mostly just dialogue.
1: Oh, wow. That's cool. That's so cool.
3: Um, so yeah, that's a lot
1: of trust right there too. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a trust on both ends, you know, it's like, we'll, you know, we might give each other suggestions on things, but at the end of the day, you know, his training is in writing and my training is in art. And I think we just kind of trust each other to do the best work we can. And so that's, that's a great, it's a great combination, you know?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, can you tell me a little bit about how you developed your style and and where where it came from? Like what what your influences are in, in regards to that.
3: Oh boy, how many, <laughs> how many time do you have? Because I mean, it's my list grows every day. I, I have so many influences from all over the place. I mean, everything from. You know, Klimt and Egon Shield to Carla Ortiz, who's a concept artist, to Ian McHugh. And these are all non-comic people. Like, these are, like, fine art and illustration and concept art. And, I
1: love that, though.
3: Yeah. And then there's the Mateo Scalera, Obviously, I love him. And Fiona Staples. And, oh, my God, I love James Heron. I just discovered him a couple years ago. And I just can't get enough of his work. His just, he has, his, everything looks so effortless and so dynamic. So, yeah, but I just I I'm influenced. I mean, when I was growing up, it was Brian Froud and Alan Lee who did this old book in the '70s called Fairies, and Alan Lee did old art for Lord of the Rings and ended up, you know, decades later getting hired to do the concept art for Lord of the Rings movies. And uh, oh, nice! And Brian Froud was the art director for Labyrinth and The Dark Crystal. Oh. So yeah, that was my stuff growing up, and then um, it kind of branched out into more, you know, fine art and. Impressionism and, you know, John Singer Sargent and Norman Rockwell and then, you know, all sorts of people.
1: So you did Did you go to school for fine arts?
3: I I went to a fine arts school when I was in high school to kind of like learn, you know, the basics of like oil painting and figure drawing and, you know, sculpture and stuff like that. And then when I went to college, I uh, majored in illustration.
1: Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So I'm looking at your artwork right now and you really have a lot of dynamic pages and a lot of just really gorgeous details. Like I'm looking at the rose window and in particular on one of the panels and it's fantastic. So do you ever just kind of drive yourself crazy going into those details?
3: No, uh, the details are the easy part for me. I mean, not, not easy, but you know what I mean? It's, it's- it's more meditative and relaxing the hard stuff for me is the people and buildings and perspective and stuff like that I I like doing people a lot more than I like doing backgrounds I'll put them most most artists who, like have but you're so good at it you're
1: so good at like I'm looking at the cityscape and it's it's really insane it really looks good
3: thanks I mean it's it's one of those things where it's like if you're not confident in something in a specific aspect of what you're doing you focus harder on that thing instead of avoiding it you know so that's why I I kind of go nuts with background sometimes it's because I'm trying to push myself because I don't because I don't feel super confident with it so I I do a lot of reference I find a lot of reference to inspire me and there's a lot of stuff on like Pinterest for example like of like environment concept art and stuff that's really cool or backgrounds from animated movies that I really love. Like there's a director, Sylvain Chaumet. He's a French uh, director who does like uh, triplets of Belleville and the illusionist. And those backgrounds are so beautiful and they're like sketchy. And like, I don't really like straight lines. So he does all his buildings and like, and, and architecture is kind of like, has like an organic kind of wobbly quality to it, but it's also like really warm. So I try to kind of emulate that style with the background. So Yeah, I just kind of, I try to, I try to push the backgrounds because I I know I don't, it's not my thing.
1: (laughs) I hear you. And I can definitely see the kind of more organic architecture a little bit Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. rather than just, and you could tell when people just live and die by the the ruler. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it, it, yeah, it, it, it doesn't, that doesn't really serve the story that well. When when that happens, when it's all ruler, it's like no, just
3: yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, it's a technically impressive thing, though. You know, I I don't think I would have the patience to to be like a perfectionist about that. So I try to lean into the weirdness of the buildings. Like you know how like Leica who does like oh yeah those, uh, claymation yeah. I mean, all their buildings and backgrounds are super wonky, and I love that. So you know, it's kind of Tim Burton me. So I try to lean into that because otherwise I would have to try to. He's super technically perfect about it, and I would just drive myself crazy. So,
1: speaking of like and Neil Gaiman, my uh, five-year-old is nuts about Coraline. Oh, we've really? we've seen that movie probably about twenty yeah. times in, in the that past few scary. months. <laughs> it, it, I was worried that she'd be yeah. kind of creeped out about it, and I looked at her. I said, it, "Is this too bad for you?" And she said, "It's creepy." And I said. You want me to turn it off? She said, "No, it's cool." <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: man, she's gonna be like a horror geek and just. Like,
1: oh horror, yeah, horror I could dude. totally see that. <laughs> so, she's she's like brave about like creepy crawlies too. So we we have a kiddie pool on, on the back porch, mm-hmm. and it's been invaded with tadpoles. So, oh. I was gonna like just pour them all out. Yeah. And my wife and two kids just went nuts. I like, no, we got to save them. So yeah. we, we went through a, like almost two hours of finding a way to safely transfer these stupid little like 500 tadpoles from the kiddie pool into a, like a container. And my nine year old was looking up what we could feed them and all that. But the, the five year old was like grabbing them by hand Whoa. It was it was weird how good she was at it. Yeah, they're really fast, man, <laughs> and like very like super gentle with them. And she yeah. was like talking to each one. I was like, "Baby, if we do that with everyone, you're gonna be out here all night." <laughs> so I ended up going and buying the net to scoop them all out.
3: Oh, sure. your kids sound awesome.
1: Yeah, they're they're sometimes they're okay. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. But um. So, Bliss, can you tell us a little bit about Bliss?
3: Sure. So it's about this family that has kind of run into some hard times, and the, the son gets sick, and the father doesn't know what to do, and he ends up kind of uh, falling into a bad crowd. And that, that crowd is, is a little bit, touches into some mythology that we get into later, but he starts doing some some bad deeds for them in order to get money for his, his, his kids' medical insurance and get him get him better. So it's got a little bit of breaking bad in there and a little bit of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, uh, I would say, because the, there's this drug that goes around the city called bliss, which makes people forget the uh, their sins, basically. It makes them forget the bad things that they've done so they can kind of live this hedonistic lifestyle and it starts ruining the city and it ruins the father and it's this whole thing. So it's, it's, that's kind of how, like, that's sort of the premise, but it's most, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot about redemption and and how people can change and, you know, relationships, relationships between fathers and sons and, and all that.
1: I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. It's, it's really fantastic. What, what was it that hooked you on the story? Did you know automatically when he told you about it? Like, Oh yeah, yeah, you're going to give me that
3: actually, I came, I came up with the premise or the general idea. Yeah, we were, we were kind of going back and forth for a long time, like months about what to what kind of story to do. And he would send me some ideas. And then I would be like, Ah, oh, yeah, what about this? And then I would send him some ideas. And so we were talking on the phone one day. And I was like, what about this city where people take a drug to forget the bad things they did? And he's like, I can work with that. And he's like, I'll get back to you. And so then we, he came back with the script. And we started working together on that. And yeah, so it was sort of just you know again we have a really organic process so we throw ideas at each other all the time, and then yeah he wrote up the script and and we started we started running. So
1: that's so cool that you have you have that relationship with your writer that you, you're you. I've heard a lot of people where they talk about their their other creators on the project and it's just mm-hmm. a job or it's just yeah I work with this guy but you know that yeah. job will end and but it seems like you really have a a, a consistent back and forth and yeah. that is awesome and you y'all should probably teach a class on how to do that because it would probably make a lot of things easier on other people in the industry
3: yeah I mean it's you know again I'm lucky enough to have a, a job that's paying the bills right now with games so I feel like that's my job job you know and and I don't want comics to feel like a job. If I'm doing comics, I'm doing it because I it's something that I'm passionate about and be, and something that I, I want to share and something that I wanna, you know, you know you know, something that I, I wanna use to bring to to bring my own skills up and to tell stories. And if I'm not enjoying it or I'm not yeah, if it's just a, if it's just like a job and, it, you know, and I'm just kind of slogging through it, I'm not interested, you know. So yeah, I was actually, you know, we were talking about I was worried about how things would go in the future with future writers, but I think I, I just, I'll just be picky, you know, like if it's not working with somebody, I'll just take a different project. I, I don't, there's not enough time, you know, life, life is short. Oh so, yeah. Uh, yeah. You should, you should enjoy the the project that you're working on. I think when it comes to comics, because com- comics don't, I mean, comics notoriously don't pay very well. So it's like, if you're not enjoying it, what's the point?
1: Ex- exactly. Yeah. So, you, you do this day job. H- how are you able to, to portion out your day so that you're able to do everything? Because, I mean, you, you, you're still a person. You, have, you still have to eat. You have to sleep. You have to, to do other stuff outside of comics, outside of video games.
3: Right.
1: So h- how are you able to balance all that?
3: So I'll be honest, it's not, the, it's not the healthiest lifestyle. I don't have much of a life outside of my work right now. You know, I, when I was living in Rochester, I, I would spend time with some friends, but you know, actually a lot of my friends are in comics, so we would work together or have like, you know, that's how we would socialize as we'd be working together, which was really nice. Actually, we'd have like, you know, work days, like work hangs, we call them and they'd work on their project. I'd work on my project and, you know, we'd have conversations in between or have a meal or whatever. So that was really nice since moving to New York, I haven't really had that and I kind of miss it, but that's, that's pretty much it. Like, you know socializing with other people who do the kind of work I do, has been as close as I can get to like a social life. <laughs> Otherwise it's mainly just like, you know, and, and again, some, occasionally I'll go out, you know, like, or let's just talk about the world before pandemic, you know, like I would, I would go out and I would, I, I play some music. So I would jam with my friend Amos or, you know, I would go out to see a show or something like that. So I would try to get out and do things, but yeah, in general, it's, it's mostly just working, working and eating and sleeping and <laughs> taking care of errands and everything. So I'll, you know, I'll do my day job and then at night I'll work on comics.
1: That's awesome. And, and it's, uh, I mean, you're, you're really walking a tight rope, but because I mean, you, it's being an artist, is like a full-time job too, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's really amazing. It, it is a Herculean task that you're doing. So, what what type of stuff do you do music wise?
3: Oh, so I sing and uh, play violin. Oh, cool. Oh, so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't, I never did it professionally or anything, but I, you know, I played since I was eight. I played violin since I was eight, and then I kind of dropped it in high in college, and then after college, I made friends with a bunch of kids who went to, uh, blanking, oh, the Easton School of Music in Rochester which is a conservatory kind of like Juilliard. And they they were super inclusive and awesome. They had like a lot of overlapping friends with my art friends. And so we kind of, you know, all meshed together. And then, you know, there would be parties where we would just have like these hours long jams. And I started learning how to improvise and play like, you know, bluegrassy or Celtic sort of tunes or just jam on whatever people were playing on guitar. And it was just really fun. And so I, from there, I started kind of playing with, local bands and all sorts of different genres, mostly in like the indie folk kind of world. But, and then I started singing with them too. So yeah, that's, it's one of the, it's one of the, it's like my, it's weird to say this because I do creative stuff during the day and at night too, but like, it's my creative outlet. It's like, I mean, like music for me is, is joyous instead of, instead of arduous because I'm not worried about making money at it or worried about being successful at it. I just do it because it makes me happy. Oh yeah. I can
1: can totally see that.
3: So yeah, I don't, I don't do it very much right now, but when I have any time off or the chance to play with friends, I do.
1: It's, it's hard for me to play nowadays with the kids and, you know, all that other stuff, but they were gone the other day when I got home and I have a, a basement full of like drums and guitars and stuff. And I had about 30 minutes to myself and just, it's like meditation. It's such a good feeling. And I I put on a, put on a track on my headphones and just Mm -hmm. play drums to the track. And it was just, I don't know. It just, everything, all the, the stress just kind of went away and I walked back upstairs and I felt so good.
3: That's awesome. What what kind of music (laughs) do you play?
1: When when I did play, it was mostly like indie rock stuff. But like I said earlier, I was not any good. <laughs> I was really inspired by bands like Pavement and maybe a little Jeff Buckley. So singer songwriter stuff, but also like indie rock stuff. And I, I failed miserably in both. But it was it was really fun to write, and I had a lot of have a lot of good memories from doing that. There was one place that I would play at like freak like a lot. And I found out that a few years after the fact that, yeah, that place was an illegal gambling hall. They literally had you there just so they could save it. That's why that there were so many cars in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, and there was this door in the back that I would see people go in and not come out for the longest. And that's where they had the illegal slot machines. <laughs> so yeah yeah so
3: yeah music's amazing it's it's, it really takes you away from the world
1: oh yeah yeah i i wish i could i had like technical skill to do bluegrass and stuff like that i learned how to play by ear so when i did play i mostly played uh guitar and a little bit of mandolin but Mm -hmm. like i said not very technically skilled i but uh, yeah,
3: it's really, by really- ear is, a, is a whole skill into itself. You know, there's a lot of people who play like sheet music their whole life. And when it comes to jamming or improvising, they, they kind of they're kind of deers in the headlights until they kind of, you know, rewire themselves to listen and and play with their feeling or play or play by ear. You know, it's actually a yeah. different, it's like a, it's like learning a different instrument almost.
1: Yeah, well, well, it made me think about that earlier when you were talking about it because that's your—you you were trained in violin as a kid, and then you learned how to kind of freestyle as you know as you got older, and yeah. it's—it is quite different.
3: Very different. In fact, it really felt like I was starting over.
1: <laughs> it, it's so it, it's it's thinking with a different part of your brain. Mm-hmm. Did did that kind of. Does being able to do that kind of help you out in regards to like your artwork, just kind of Um, being able to think differently and, and kind of go without the sheet music in a way, just kind of.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but I, I'm sure it has. I mean, music is again, one of those things that weirdly has influenced me in, in, in art as well. And I'm sure it's informed you know, style and everything, especially like I have a very specific kind of thing that I like. I listen to a lot of like singer songwriters myself and, you know, Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and people like that will have like a, they have a very specific feel and vibe to them. And I think that's definitely inspired, you know, my style almost as much as any artist has.
1: I went through a Nick cave phase a oh, few yeah. years ago and it, it definitely, cause I would listen to him while I was writing it definitely affected my writing. <laughs> what what do you listen to while you're while you're doing your art? Do you do you stick to the 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 people you just listed or do you do you have like a playlist that you go to?
3: Honestly, so when I'm if I'm writing something, I can't listen to anything with words. I have to listen to like a minimal soundscape kind of thing. And even if I'm laying out a page and reading the script and trying to figure out where things go, I can't really listen to stuff that has like a like a strict melody or or you know something that you can even follow or has a hook to it but once i get going and i'm just kind of like in autopilot and started working on like just the shapes and not having to think anymore you know i mean i'm still thinking but it's like a different part of your brain kind of thinking oh yeah then i actually do i listen to a lot of i don't listen to my like my music because my music is so sad (laughs) 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 like i listen to just like you know i was like elliot smith and sutian stevens and Tom Waits and Bob Dylan and I'm just like you know I, I would just be crying the whole time so I am um,
1: everything I, really is nothing to me I, I can't yeah, do this exactly. anymore
3: why am I doing this um, so <laughs> I tend to listen to a lot of podcasts I listen to like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend which is like, a hilarious podcast <laughs> yeah he's, he's really good Oh, he's so funny. Yeah, so, I mean, he even, like, lifts my mood if I'm, like, having a depressed day. I just listen to him, and he he picks me up. You know, or I listen to, like, a really nerdy podcast called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and it's, like, these two women that talk about, (laughs) you know, they talk about queer issues, and they talk about, you know, feminism, and they talk about all that stuff in relation to Buffy, and they go through every episode. Like, every every episode of theirs is based on an episode from the show. So...
1: And that it's show really was, like, light years ahead. Of, yeah,
3: it really was. And But then there's also stuff that's dated. You know, there's stuff in there that they point out, and they're just like, yeah, that did not age well. Yeah,
1: um, yeah.
3: But, yeah, it's, it's just I, – I think podcasts is really and, – and also I listen to a lot of, like, NPR, you know, fresh air and stuff that's happening in the world and everything. So podcasts are, are pretty great.
1: That That's – because my job is so insular, like I'm I'm in a microscope all day, mm-hmm. looking down at this stuff and doing tiny welds and all that. I like constantly am listening to a podcast, but mm-hmm. most of it's like uh, storytelling stuff or mm-hmm. um, the
3: moth. Do you listen to the moth?
1: I do, I do. I love the moth, and I listen to a lot of like horror stuff, like scripted oh, I like horror that. stuff. Well. Like the, crap, I'm pulling up right now. My brain just shat out my ears. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really big into, let's see, Dust. I've really enjoyed that. It's kind of like a sci-fi podcast. But going through, let's see, Tannis was really good. I enjoyed that. And the black tapes.
3: uh, I actually started the black tapes, but I, I didn't
1: finish it. It, so the journey was a lot better than the destination. I think there were, mm. there were a few, I wasn't satisfied with the ending, mm-hmm. but who knows? They, they might turn around. I don't know. I've, there's always that elusive like s- season that they're working on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I found one the other day that I'm obsessed about now okay. though. It's um, from crooked media. It's called "Wind of Change."
3: What's that?
1: It is a podcast. It, it's like a a journalist, and this is supposedly a true story. There was a song by the Scorpions in the '90s called "Winds of Change" or "Wind of Change." Mm-hmm. And if I don't know how old you are, okay, so you're you're a little bit younger than I am. Mm-hmm. There, this song "Wind of Change" was basically about the fall of the Berlin Wall. And the ideals of, you know, freedom and everything going across Eastern Europe. Well, anyway, it was by the band that did Rock You Like a Hurricane. Big difference, right? Here I am, Rock You Like a Hurricane. And also, capitalism and democracy is good. You know, a lot of ideological differences. And the idea behind the podcast is that that song was actually written by the CIA, and it was a, it was all kind of like a a, a psyops job, uh-huh. where they got with the lead singer of Scorpions, gave him this song. He didn't normally write the lyrics, and he he was really secretive apparently with the lyrics of this song. They gave him the song, and it turned into this huge hit, and kind of like an anthem of the time, over there especially. And they're trying to find out if it was actually written by the CIA. And there's a lot of like convincing evidence that it was. Cool. But, um, like their manager was got really in bad trouble for a ton of like illegal drugs coming into the country and everybody. That was in on that operation ended up doing a ton of prison time, except for him. He went on to do a, a huge rock show in Berlin. And it was part of like a, like bringing America freedom and all that over there to, to Russia, to give them a taste of our like ideals and stuff. Uh, Uh So people are like, why did you not get, you know, why are you not under the jail right now? (laughs) So it it's it's fascinating it's really crazy but yeah that i listen to that dump stuff <laughs> oh,
3: no i mean i listen to if you ever listening to limetown
1: oh limetown's great yeah yeah i really oh. enjoyed that yeah also i don't know if you heard it there was there was a a podcast called s town
3: oh yeah
1: that is about 20 minutes away from my house. So, no <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all those people in, like, I know people that are, are no people in that show. That
3: was an amazing podcast.
1: It was, it was fascinating. It really was. Wow. That dude was off his rocker, but
3: really off his Holy rock. smokes. Really interesting.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And it's crazy. I, I, I used to know a horologist and he also was kind of loopy, so I don't know if it goes with the job. Maybe, but yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, we're talking comics. No,
3: no worry.
1: <laughs> so, is is there anybody right now that's just really blowing your mind in terms of like comics stuff like um, that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think right now my my favorite person is, is James Heron. I can't get I can't get enough of his work. I don't know if you've ever read his or like seen his work but he does like rumble and he does some bprd but you should check him out because he's a master he's he's like one of those they call him um, an artist artist you know like every artist i know who works in comics is like in love with him and it's it's his work is just so it's so fluid you know it, it looks like it's animated but it's static you know it's incredible it's just it just really it's just like really alive on the page, and it, it's making me push myself harder to kind of get that that feeling, you know, so that doesn't feel you know my work can sometimes feel a little bit stiff or a little bit static, I think, and so I try to push it to be more kinetic. So so yeah, he's my favorite right now
1: okay, that that's awesome. and it, it's it's cool that you still get enjoyment out of other people doing the craft. And because I, I see some people that get kind of like, well, oh, I don't really read comics anymore. <laughs> kind of like dated, yeah, 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 yeah. I
3: mean, I'm, I'm still pretty. I'm still kind of a noob. I mean, I only got into comics like five years ago, so that's um, awesome. Yeah, so it's it's still pretty fresh for me. And then you know, of course, I follow a lot of other artists too. Like, there's this painter named uh, Nicola, 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 Nicola Uribe. I think I'm not sure how you're to pronounce it because it's russian i think but i follow him on instagram and he is another one of those he's just a master painter he's like a he's like a modern day Lucian freud and i i look at his work and i just try to i try to learn from it because you know i like doing the covers in oil paint if i can
1: your covers are uh, fantastic oh my gosh
3: thank you so, so yeah
1: good oh well I, I was gonna ask like craft wise is this mostly done digitally or uh, do, you, do you you, know, mix it up? How, how, do you, how do you go about producing this?
3: It's a mix. So for Bliss, what I'm trying to do is... like I mean, I started comics all digitally and then I started trying to push myself to do traditional stuff. So I, I right now with Bliss, I'm trying to do most of the pages. The way I do it is I, I'll sketch it out as um, detailed as I want on my Wacom on digitally and then i'll print it out really really light and then i will ink over that so that i kind of have like a base to go off of without ruining ruining the paper with like tons of, of sketching and erasing and that way i'll have like a final inked page at the end of the day and then for covers you know i try to do oil paintings on canvas or on board
1: nice nice yeah your 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 cover style is really fantastic and it, I mean, it adds so much to the, just, it, it, it looks like a fine art piece. Y- your Coyote cover specifically, I was blown away by.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of just like, I want, I, I miss painting, you know, and that ends Oh, for real? Yeah. I miss painting. And so I get to kind of like, you know, that's my treat is at the end of the series or end of whatever I'm working on, I get to kind of do a, a cover, you know, cause I, I was I was trained traditionally and trained in a lot of fine art stuff. So I, I kind of, it's like, oh, well, this is our series. I mean, I get to do whatever I want. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, used
3: to, I used to complain uh, when I was first learning about comics that that the covers were a different style than the interiors. And I thought it was like false advertising. And I I think that's probably still true, but I don't really care anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? I, I want to paint what I want to paint. So I'm just going to do my own covers, uh, whatever style I want.
1: Well, I I remember as a kid seeing a a Ghost Rider cover by Texaria, Mark Texaria, I think is how you pronounce his name, and just being blown away by it because it was, I think it was like oil, oil paints on it. And it was just really just a crazy style. And it sold me on that comic. And I was there every month for that comic <laughs> yeah. at the spinner rack just by, you know, one cover alone. I was like, holy crap, this yeah, is fantastic. Do it. I mean,
3: I saw recently, I saw, I think his name is Jason Sean Alexander. I, he does these huge paintings. I think they're oil and they're beautiful. And the first one I saw of his was a Spawn cover. And it was this African-American woman and it was just her face and she had like blood all over her face and it was like really detailed and but, like kind of raw looking. And it was so gorgeous. And I was like, wow. So I follow him now and you know, yeah, just because of his covers and you know, like Bill Cabbage is obviously amazing. and
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And, you know, Joshua,
3: Mid- Joshua Middleton is like out of control. Amazing. And I just, I want one of his pieces so badly. <laughs> he does, he does a really beautiful delirium That I think was actually like a a Comic-Con commission or something that he did. So I don't think there's any way to get like a print of it, but it's so pretty.
1: So when you do, like, have you been selling your art as you go for, because you do it all by hand? Because that is something that a lot of creators like to do at conventions and stuff is, you know, they have this thing that they can actually sell to people, you know, collectors. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. I haven't done that, a, a lot of that at conventions yet, but I'm planning to do that with Bliss. I mean, again, this year, I was supposed to be at a lot of conventions this year. Oh, right? man. Uh, yeah. Of course, it's all out the window. But yeah, so, you know, but, you know, since I keep going with it, I'm just accumulating pages and I, I've been auctioning off a lot of pages for, you know, COVID-19 related. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, for some Black Lives Matter stuff. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm right now, it's like, I'm not really, I don't really have the bandwidth Or the mental energy to kind of like sell off my work just for, you know, just to sell it. But I I did auction stuff off, so I think it's like it was a good dipping my toe in the water kind of thing. So I'm, I'm hoping that once things calm down a little bit with bliss, that I can, I can start trying to figure out how to sell pages for. for
1: Oh yeah, and I'm so ready for con season to start back, and I'm sure a lot of a lot of creators are as well because it's such a a good thing. To, to meet your peers and be able to do all that. But,
3: yeah. oh, my goodness, we
1: got to get this stuff under wraps
3: yeah. first. I mean, we are such introverts, all of us. It's like we're all, like, just sitting in our little boxes, doing our work <laughs> all day, every day, going insane. And so, like, Comic-Con is, is, is an amazing, beautiful thing because we all get to get together and commiserate and talk about the industry. Like, it's such a niche thing, you know, that it's it's so – cathartic and and great to have like that solidarity and be able to talk about what you're working on all the time and I really miss it
1: so do you have any I'm guessing they're kind of still up in the air even into the fall so if you have anything coming up by all means let us know and we will will signal boost it as much as we can over our social media stuff I really enjoy talking to you
3: Oh, you too! Thanks a lot.
1: What one thing I always ask before you know, as we're winding down,
3: mm-hmm.
1: comics. You know, there, it, there's no comics industry unless there are comic shops. The direct market, you know, cannot exist without comic shops. Do you have one that you go to? Do you have one you want to shout out?
3: Yeah, my boy's over at Comics Etc. Uh, up in Rochester, in upstate New York. It's the comic shop that sold my, my little 10 page story that I did before I was published by anybody. They had like copies of it on, on their front desk and that's awesome. Yeah. And they invited me to the local con and I got to hang out with all the local comic book artists and they were just like, and then they've always, you know, given me a shout out and promoted my work. They just, they're the best. They've always been super supportive even before I had anything done. So yeah, I love those guys. And they definitely need need the. I'm sure everybody needs the the business right now. So I I hope that they they are getting some.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So my I have two locals that I would I would go to, and one of them shut down. Hmm. That's a big bummer. Yeah. The other local is it's, it's a combination tattoo parlor and comic shop. <laughs> Oh wow. And I think I think they're doing okay. I haven't been able to go by there because my work hours have been crazy lately. Mm-hmm. But it, really fantastic people. And I've just seeing their their people kind of hold court around like other people asking comic questions is so fun to see. Yeah, And they're great at just going, hey, I've seen you buy this. You should also try this. So if you go in there looking for one comic, you'll come out with five. They're the best.
3: Yeah. And they probably get people who aren't into comics at all and into comics because, you know, they have a tattoo shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And And it's, it's cool when you have a place like that. And I'm sure the comics, et cetera. I'm sure those people are also really good at just kind of getting people excited about different things and going like, Oh, Hey, today we're all crazy about, you know, what this cartoon show and we're going to talk about that. And you guys come over here and we'll, we'll chat about it.
3: <sighs> I mean, yeah, every, every comic book shop owner is, you know, they're, it's a labor of love, you know, they're not doing it for the money. So it's, they're, they're all big fans of comics and excited about promoting them and having community events and everything. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they really have, you know, built that community. And when I was a kid, I mean, I didn't grow up around any comic shop. So as an adult, you know, just by virtue of working next door to one, I was like, Oh wow, this is really cool. I, I never knew this existed. Yeah. So, well, well, Caitlin, I'm so stoked we got to talk to you. Bliss is a beautiful comic, and I enjoyed the first issue, and I'm looking forward to reading the rest of them because it's 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 a really great story so far. I can't wait to finish it.
3: And it was a pleasure talking to you too.
1: Same to you. And give us a heads up if if you have anything else coming out that you want to talk about. Anytime you want to come back, by all means, give us a shout, and
3: uh,
1: we'll get you back on. Well, do. All right. Thanks so much. Caitlin, uh, mask up, gloves on, wash your hands. (laughs) Um,
3: Stay safe. (laughs) Godspeed.
1: You have a good one, okay?
3: Yeah, you too. All right,
2: goodbye. Okay, start
0: laughing. You
2: totally ignored me. (laughs)
0: What'd you, what'd you Nothing, want to say? No, it's,
2: it's ruined now. You can't even go back to it. Oh, Can't You do don't it. listen to me. Oh, what's that? <laughs> Did I tell you that, that T and I have an idea? We want to go that? on vacation, and she's going to act like she's blind, and I'm going to act like I'm deaf.
0: Oh, and God. And then just try to
2: interact <laughs> at places.
0: Dude, so when I was younger, and by younger I mean like, in the last 20 years, but I won't, I won't specify a board So six months Um, ago last night. No. So like there's, when I was in high school too, I would, I would take a Mm -hmm. shower and like close my eyes and try to shower fully. Like for that where I can't see just to see what it's like to shower without being able to see what I'm doing. Do you know how I almost fell so many times doing that, (laughs) but I mean, it was, it it was kind of cool to to try and, to try and use your other senses to, see what you can figure out to see what somebody who is blind goes through. But it was, it's actually really difficult to try and shower without looking. At oh, the that's thing. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. You should try some time. It's fun. But sure. I probably have
2: done it. Right. I mean, it's just something, you know, and then a big Brown shark. Came. All right. So, What? (laughs) Every time you start talking about people, showers or baths or things that people do in the showers and baths, I instantly go back to being 12 years old and hearing Eddie Murphy's Delirious for the first time. And he talks about taking a bath with his brother and then things happen. And that's one of the songs that he sings during the big big brown shark. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. Got it. So (laughs) we'll just leave it at that. Anyways.
0: So what do you think of the interview with uh, Casey and Uh, I think
2: it was great. I mean Casey is always uh, very uh, open and uh, well he, he's not he makes people open let's put it that way you know what yeah. i mean he opens people up he sets up. people
0: at ease with his smooth yeah, NPR he voice he opens
2: people up and i think uh, they're yeah. comfortable but not with the razor right. well as far as we know
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. this is true as far as we know Casey does not open anybody up with the that's razor right. that's right but
2: so always great Caitlin, seems <laughs> she seems like a super person and I can't
0: wait. She's a fantastic artist, yeah. man. Her art is so, so damn oh, good. Yeah. I'm super Why, jealous of her You know artwork. what?
2: It's so funny. We had this conversation not too long ago. Why are pencilers called artists and writer's writer and you know uh, inkers, they speci- specify inkers and letters, letters? When I contend it's all part of the art and they're all artists in their own right, but it's only the they penciler. Are that when someone goes well, who's the artist
0: you automatically think who the penciler was true true now in 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 the credits of a comic book it's not that way so if you if you if you're credited as the artist in a comic book what that means is that you did the penciling the inking and the coloring all yourself right, right? So if you're the artist of a comic book, and that's where you're credited. It's weird, in the book, right? It means you did, did all three. But it, but if you do say, you know, who was the artist on you know on the the X Men series in the '90s? You say, oh, that was Jim right. Lee. But he was the penciler. Scott Williams was the inker. Right. But you I don't, don't ever think that
2: way. I mean, when you're talking face to face, when you're yeah. having a conversation, and you say, oh, who was the artist that that created, you know, X Men, or did you know right. whatever one you want to pick a comic book from
0: any time, you will automatically right. say who the penciler is. Exactly, that's odd, right? I don't, I don't know why. That's a, I think that's a, a good conversation for us to take into another yeah. episode and do a full conversation about what what makes an artist and why. Why do we determine what? Why do we determine that? Just a pencil is the artist versus you the whole team. If you
2: guys have an idea of why people have that that thought process, let us know.
0: Yeah, we'd love to incorporate that into our yeah. episode.
2: All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to hear more conversations with Casey, more conversation with Jeff Haas, more conversation with myself, Kenrick, or more conversation with Johnny Horsley, then go that. over to spoilerverse.com and check out our back issues for Spoiler Country. There's a ton. And we have a lot of other podcasts that are hosted there that have amazing content in their own
0: right. And I would implore you to go check it all out. I do, I do, and why I do as well. And then while you're there, click on that store link. Go to our T Public Store, pick up a T-shirt, a hoodie, a face mask, a sticker, a coffee cup, or whatever. And, you know, one, you'll be awesome. Everybody will love you. I mean, I was, I'm was i at my mom's house right now, and my nephew, who is 12, was wearing an Open the Mind Read More shirt, and he looks super cool in it. <laughs> so you can be super cool like my 12-year-old nephew. And, uh... Because everybody wants. Everybody's goal is to look as cool as a twelve year old boy. I know this. So do that, and when you do that, we get a dollar or two here, or there, depending upon what you buy, which helps us pay the the bills for the hosting for uh, all the stuff that we we do. Because we all pay that out of pocket and to pro- provide all of you with a free, awesome service of what is you know the pop culture stuff that we talk about in our interviews, all on swillivers. Everything there is free of charge. And so if you do want to help us out because you're awesome and I know you're awesome, you go to that store link and you buy some. You guys go. All right,
2: we're out.
0: We're out. <laughs> what if we just ended it right there?
2: We're out. Hey, hey we're out. Click. <laughs> nah, we gotta do the oceans of podcasts. We are to, to do. We propose you to do. Open the. <laughs>